0: some may find the following disturbing discretion is advised
1: every summer in chicago the sunshine spotlights the city's spectacular skyline its luxurious lakeshore marvelous monuments and the over 200 neighborhoods in the city And it also brings to light two of the greatest sports franchises in the world. On the north side, it's the Cubs. On the south side, it's the White Sox. This is Crosstown Crosstown. Hello and welcome to another very exciting episode of Crosstown Crosstalk presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi and I'm getting pretty excited. The MLB trade deadline is coming right around the corner. We got just a couple days, but before we get into the MLB trade deadline, we're going to, you know, we got that all later in the show, but we got to quickly go over a team, right? Last episode... I was really into the Baltimore Orioles, right? I wanted to talk about them, get into them, get some expert analysis on them. So we had fan-sided birds, watcher, expert, Baltimore Orioles, all, all sorts of good stuff there. This week, we are going to kind of go in the same route, but I wanted to talk about a different team that's equally as hot as the Baltimore Orioles, if not hotter, and they probably actually have a way more realistic chance of making noise once the postseason comes around, because I believe they will actually be in the postseason. Of course, I'm talking about the Seattle Mariners, and there is nobody on the internet Better to talk to about the Seattle Mariners than the people from Sodo Mojo, a fan-sided network. I'm welcoming in their site expert, Chris O'Day. Chris, how we doing? I'm doing good, man,
0: especially, you know, day after Julio hits another bomb. It's hard not to be happy as a Mariners fan.
1: Absolutely. We're going to get to him in a minute because he's just one of the most fun, exciting stories in all of baseball. But before we get into the good stuff about the Seattle Mariners... This is a team that hasn't made the playoffs in a long time. I was in early elementary school last time they were in the postseason. And early this season, after what was a promising end to last season, they struggled hard. They, they were really one of the teams in the league failing to meet the expectations placed on them going into the year. What did you make of that? And did you think there was a chance that they could get out of it?
0: I think it was just kind of a bunch of new faces trying to learn how to play together with Winker and Suarez coming over. Frazier in there and then you had like Lewis was hurt so it's just trying to get a mix and match going and they started well those first couple of weeks but then it really started to get to them and what a couple months into the season it looked like the Mariners were going to be sellers um and it was just a mix of like the offense not being able to score runs Julio was struggling to start the year Kelnick wasn't doing well um but they started to gel and really getting Julio's enthusiasm in there JP Crawford just kind of keeping everyone gelling together and the Mariners finally started to kind of look like the team we saw in the second half of last season
1: I love hearing that I'm I'm happy about the Mariners I'm excited I would love as just an outsider living in the Midwest to just see the Mariners take over the AL West over there it's just it's been a long time coming and a lot of that of course it's been mentioned once or twice already in just the short time we've been live Julio Rodriguez has taken Major League Baseball by storm and become one of the most exciting players in the league. I remember I was in line at a Mexican place for food when I saw that he hit his first career home run, and it's just something that sticks in my mind because it was just such a great hit. I want to know your thoughts on him.
0: Ever since he came up, it's been exciting, and I remember going to a couple games before he hit the first home run and just sitting there in the stands, and it's like, oh, Julio's up be quiet. I'm going to video every swing he takes because I want to try and catch this on film just so I can be like, yeah, I was there. Here's proof. And he's that kind of guy where everyone kind of stops what they're doing to watch him. And you've heard it about some of the other greats in baseball. It's like, oh, this guy's coming up. You see it on ESPN or whatever. It's like, that's changed change the channel so we can watch him. And Julio's got that same kind of thing going. And it's just crazy because once again, the Mariners have an insanely exciting charismatic guy in center field.
1: That's something they've been lacking for a long time. I think just a guy to get everybody to rally around. And you saw it in the home run derby. He went up against Juan Soto in the championship of that tournament. And that had to be exciting as a Mariners fan.
0: Watching those two go at it in the finals, especially with all the chatter around Soto lately. It's like these two are probably the most exciting guys in the game and the two most exciting young guys in the game. What, 21 and 23 years old or something? And to be in the finals national stage with the Home Run Derby kind of being, you could argue, more exciting than it's ever been with the format they have now. Just seeing those two guys, it really is pushing baseball in a great direction. And it's really helpful for Mariners fans who, like we've said, it's been 20-plus years. Like, I'm in my mid-30s, and I was in middle school the last time they made the playoffs. It's been a long time.
1: It certainly has. In the offseason – One of the biggest free agents, I would say, was probably Carlos Correa. But in terms of pitching, the biggest free agent was definitely the 2021 American League Cy Young Award winner, Robbie Ray. And he ended up choosing the Seattle Mariners. What have you made of his tenure so far early in his Mariners career? I mean, you can't
0: argue that he struggled coming out of the gate. Um, He had a nice start in Minnesota, but then he struggled in Chicago during that awful, awful rain game that they played for some reason that's still unknown. Um, And I've been a big fan of Ray for a long time. Ever since Arizona, he was striking guys out there. And I gave him a big break after he got hit in the head. I don't know how many people remember that, but he got smoked with a line drive, and it messed him up for a while. Um, He showed last year in Toronto that he was back, and we've been hoping to get that guy in Seattle. And ever since he added in the two seamer sinker, whatever you want to call it, I know baseball savant calls it a sinker. Um, he's been a lot different. Kind of, he had, what, six, seven game stretch with an ERA in the low ones. He's striking out like 12 per nine, only walking two per nine, limiting the home runs. And over that stretch, he's been the ace that Seattle needed.
1: Yeah, and it's been great to see because it was kind of the one thing they were missing last year was that one guy who you just knew would be the game one starter of a playoff series if they could get there just like without any shadow of a doubt. So I'm excited to see that he's done that. So, you know, in terms of the management side of things, what have you made of the job that the Mariners manager has done so far this season?
0: It's kind of been like the Mariners where for the last year and a half, everyone's opinions on service have been like a roller coaster. It goes back and forth between this guy should be fired, this guy's a top five manager. Uh, they should be looking for a replacement. He should be getting votes for manager of the year. And that happened last year. I remember when the Mariners were struggling, there was conversations about should they replace him? And that went away when the Mariners started winning. And then it came back this year. They were 29 and 39, I think. And they were talking about should service be replaced? Would it be a surprise if he got fired? Is he on the hot seat? And all of a sudden the Mariners have gone, what, 23 and 5 or something like that and they're sitting nine games above 500 and people are pretty happy with service i think part of the the pain with service is he gets put into some tough situations sometimes with having to throw a reliever who's not doing well because the other guys are tired or having to play four second baseman in the lineup because your outfielders are hurt like it's odd seeing a lineup of haggerty toro frazier and dylan moore all batting 6789 especially when they're all in the outfield but when it comes down to it that's what you got to do and service has done a pretty good job with what he's been given and i applaud him for it
1: was the win streak 15 games
0: 14 they were one short of tying the team record
1: okay so 14 straight wins that'll get any team that's 10 games under right back into contention and it's been even better than that they've kept the winning going even after getting that one loss and they're they've just been good so how what do you attribute to that winning streak what was it that made it where they were able to keep it going over a long period of time. Cause you need every single starter to have three or four straight great starts in order to have a winning streak like that. And you need the offense to keep cooking and the bullpen, bullpen can't falter at all either.
0: To me, there's two things and the first one, and it's the only time I'll ever say this probably is thank you to the angels. Um, it's their fault. They came out, they tried to hit Seattle on purpose. They started a bullpen guy threw at the Mariners on purpose to start a brawl. Um, that's when julio and jp and winker all got suspended um winker got a pizza delivered to the clubhouse and since then the mariners have been playing really well even with those guys missing some time and that's kind of when it started since then the mariners are something like 20 and 5 and the angels are 6 and 16 so i want to say thank you to the angels for being cheap and really getting the mariners on this hot streak but at the same time it's been the starting pitching um Something like since the middle of May, the Mariners have one of the best ERAs in all of baseball for starting pitching. Um, They set a team record with guys going like five plus innings and giving up three or less runs. It was just over and over and over. You're getting quality starts out of these guys. And knowing that your offense only needs to score four runs to win puts you in a great spot.
1: So the pitching, you, you touched on it a little bit. Actually, before we get to that, I want to ask you, you brought up that Angels brawl. Would you consider the Los Angeles angels as the Mariners number one rival as of right now, or are you still looking up at the Astros and kind of hate them just a little bit more?
0: It's tough. Cause personally, I'm, I'm going to say it's the angels because when you waste trout for a decade and then seeing Otani go there instead of coming to Seattle, when a lot of people in Seattle and Mariners fans really thought he might come here. Um, it's just, it's easy to not like them with wasting trout, having Otani there and then for the fight. Um, The Astros, it's just kind of been there for the last five years. But it's easy to hate a team when they're that great. But the Angels have been just fun to hate.
1: That makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's just infuriating as a baseball fan in general. You don't even got to tie your favorite team to it. You could just be furious that the Angels have been so mediocre for having such great players for a long time. But you touched on the Mariners pitching being so good over that stretch, over the win streak since the brawl. And outside of Robbie Ray, are there pitchers on the squad, either bullpen rotation that you'd like to note and tell people why they're so good? Because it it has been phenomenal so far this season. And you could talk
0: to a lot of Mariners fans and they say, and I would agree with them, that it's not Robbie Ray who's been the ace this year. It's been Logan Gilbert. Um, He's got an ERA, like 2.7 striking out about a guy in inning, and he's just consistent. He's already thrown almost 120 innings. He's like 15th in baseball in innings thrown. And for somebody who's that young with really his first full season because he got called up a little late last year, um, it's been really nice to have a righty like that at the front of your rotation. And to go with the hard throwers like Gilbert and Ray at the top, and then you mix in the soft throwers right behind them with Marco and Chris Flexen, it gives opposing teams different looks every night going hard righty, hard lefty, soft righty, soft lefty. And it's just – it's made it easier for the Mariners to get through these games. And Marco and Flexen have been super consistent as well. You look at – I think it's – one of them's got like a 3.65. The other one's got a 3.75. For your fourth worst starter to have a 3.75, that's a great spot to be in. And it's actually better than that because the Mariners' other other young pitcher, George Kirby, has been great this year. He's one of the most accurate guys in baseball, and he's a rookie already. I think if he qualified, he's just short on innings. He'd be the second best guy for walks per nine in baseball. Um, he's just dotting out there, and he's throwing mid-high 90s. And to have a guy like that who's sitting with an ERA, I want to say in like the mid-3.5s. So all your starters are doing well, and if no one has an ERA above three eight, it just it's a great spot to be knowing you can tune in, and you're going to see five to six innings, two to three runs every single night.
1: The biggest story going on in baseball right now is that of Juan Soto, the Washington Nationals are, you know, he declined a 440, I think some odd million dollar contract over a span of 12 years. And it would have made him one of the richest baseball players who ever lived you see the Mariners names kind of mentioned here and there when it comes to making trades, it's not even necessarily a Soto that could go there either. Like people have talked about Otani being traded. I don't know if that's necessarily going to happen this year, but he's probably not going to stick with the angels forever unless he's randomly out of nowhere, signs a deal like drought. But I'm wondering what are your thoughts on that? Would you be willing to part with two, three, maybe four high end prospects in order to get a guy like that?
0: when it comes to Soto, um, He's got the two and a half years of control left. Yeah, he's going to be making a lot of money, but he's definitely worth it. People talk about him not having a great year this year. He's still sitting at like a four war and he's got a Babbitt like 250 or something like that. He's going to heat up. And we started to see that right around the break. Um, As for giving up prospects, if the Mariners are going to give up, they could give up six of their top 10 or 12 prospects and I'd be okay with it. Um, As long as you're keeping those pitchers that I mentioned in Kirby and Gilbert, so you're not messing with the staff, you could give up guys like Novo Marte, um, even Edwin Arroyo, Emerson Hancock, one of the Gonzaleses, Alberto or Gabriel, uh, even like Levi Stout, Bryce Miller. They got a lot of good pitching, so they could send five, six good prospects their way. And they can even go a step further and include someone like Kelnick. Um, yeah, he's been down since he's been in the majors. He's back at AAA, but he's still only 23. He turned 23 this summer, so he's still younger than a lot of prospects. I think I saw he was younger than half the guys in the Futures game and then there's the other option of they've talked about wanting to get rid of patrick corbin where the mariners could take on his salary as well to give up less and then when soto comes due for a new contract corbin would be off the books so any of those options i'd be fine with even
1: i think we might have lost chris i'm not sure yes it seems like we lost chris he was just in the middle of talking about you know what's going on with the Mariners and their prospects but um so what we're going to do really quick is we're going to send you to a quick commercial break and see if we can get Chris back Zim, Joe, Vinny, and Gonzo Join these White Sox fanatics every Monday night for the South Burbs Hitmen. You're going to be treated to great guests, top analysis, smart debates. South Burbs Hitmen with Sim, Joe, Benny, and Gonzo. Only on the Barroom Network. And welcome back. It seems like we have Chris trying to load himself back in. Sometimes technology sucks. So Chris, are you back? I am back. You were in the middle of talking about Juan Soto or making a trade for a big guy like that, giving up prospects. So if you want to just pick up where you were, that's all good.
0: Yeah, really what it comes down to is the Mariners window is starting to open. Uh, When you have a young, controllable staff, when you've got a guy like Julio, really making that big push for really a generational talent like Juan Soto when an opportunity like that presents itself, especially when he's so young and you can get two and a half years on him, it's something that the Mariners need to go for.
1: Absolutely. And so, you know, I know we kind of were a little bit interrupted there because of stupid technology. It happens every now and then. So I I can't thank you enough for coming on. Before we let you go, I do want to ask you, though, is there – I actually have – it's kind of a double-sided question. Is there a Mariners prospect that – You are just so excited about maybe it's one of the guys you mentioned. Maybe he's not as well known that you think is going to come into this league and take it by storm. And to piggyback off that, is there any other Mariners storyline that you can see developing over the next month or so that should just excite pure baseball fans?
0: So for the prospect side of it, I was actually lucky enough to talk to both Harry Ford and Bryce Miller last year. Uh, Harry Ford was the Mariners first round pick. He's a catcher. They drafted him out of high school. The dude is super athletic. He can play second. He can play center. He catches right now. Uh, A lot of people say he's like Craig Biggio from the Astros back in the day. Um, He's got power and speed. He's sitting like 260 right now in A-ball at 19, but he's also got 400 on base. So he's walking a lot, getting on base, stealing bases. I think he's got 14, 15 steals. He's got a few triples. He's a guy that's going to be really exciting to watch for a while for the Mariners. Um, just to see a catcher like that who can play defense hit and who's really athletic come up. Um, Bryce Miller, the other one I mentioned, he was a fifth rounder, I think, for the Mariners. Uh, he's a starting pitcher. He's been playing A ball, striking out a lot of guys. Um, you kind of worry with these college pitchers coming in that their stuff's not going to play as well, but his has been. He's already even been called up to double A, so less than a full year of time, and he's at double A already. Uh, he just went five and struck out a few, gave up one run. So he's one of the pitchers that's been climbing the ranks for the mariners and will likely enter that conversation with guys like emerson hancock levi stout and taylor dollard here in a while so those are the two prospects that are fun to watch Uh, for a storyline over the next month really i think it's kind of the trade deadline stuff we've talked about and it might not be soto but depoto has really made it sound like the mariners are going to go after a starting pitcher Uh, with george kirby up there they're going to want to limit his innings and they're going to need another starter what, something that really hurt the Mariners last year was using a bullpen guy for a while, and the Mariners really struggled with that. And it sounds like guys like Pablo Lopez, Luis Castillo, Tariq Skubal, and Frankie Montas are available. It's four great starting pitchers you could go get, and you throw them at the Mariners, and they just become a number two, number three, possibly an ace depending on how well they do, but it's a guy at the front of your rotation. And DePoto's talked about going and getting one of those guys or being active and trying to, and I think that's going to be the thing to watch with the Mariners over the next week or so.
1: Absolutely, Chris. I can't thank you enough for coming on our show. It was delightful to talk about the Seattle Mariners with you. I do enjoy that team. We talk about them frequently on this show. And I actually, my partner on my hockey show, Frankie Mueller, they're like his second team. He's obsessed with them. I swear he likes them more than the Cubs. I'm a White Sox fan. He's a Cubs fan. And I swear he will never admit it, but he's definitely been enjoying them lately more than the Cubs. How can you not based on where the two teams are? But before you go promote your stuff, tell me where I can find your, articles your twitter all that kind of stuff just all about chris oday right now
0: uh so it's at, at mariners life or on twitter i'm not on there a ton because i'm usually too busy running the soto mojo site that's where you can find our articles uh for all things mariners we're pretty active on twitter too uh i'm not afraid to go back and forth with people on there you can tell me how dumb my trade articles are and i can tell you why you're wrong uh so make sure to check out soto mojo for all the mariners stuff and follow us on there
1: few people in the world can relate to me in terms of battling people who get so mad at trade articles they do so well on the site and we're gonna keep doing it because they're awesome they're just think pieces they're meant to be fun this is all meant to be fun go mariners chris i can't thank you enough for coming on we will have you back on hopefully for a mariners playoff game maybe we'll match up in the playoffs that would be really cool too if the white Sox win the division mariners take a wild card spot i honestly think the mariners could beat the white Sox. we'll see what happens though so, Chris, thank you so much for coming on. And, everyone, we would like to send you to a quick commercial break.
0: I don't know why people don't talk about this more is Oracle Park um, in San Francisco. Like, that's just such a neat field. Like, you know, just the, the whole aspect of it. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of breathtaking. Growing up in St. Louis, you know, you it's basically them – them and the Cardinals, um, for what, five years, uh, from like 2010 to 2015 or whatever it was, um, you know, it was just back and forth. So, you know, I, I, you see that, that park growing up in the postseason all the time. And I walk in, it's like, holy cow, man, like, this is, this is sweet. And like the atmosphere, the fans are unbelievable there. Um, so I was, I was fortunate enough to, you know, go to an NL park, um, you know, out West, which, which not many guys get to do in their, their first, first season.
1: Catch this episode of South Burbs Hitman On Demand wherever you get podcasts or head over to YouTube and watch the video stream and make sure you subscribe so that way you don't miss out on any of the Barroom Network's live programming. You know, that Jake Berger interview that you just saw a commercial for was an all-timer on the Barroom Network. I mean, we've had Gavin Sheets, Liam Hendricks. Gavin Sheets was – I'm not going to say he was robotic, but he gave all the typical answers that you would expect a baseball player to give. Liam Hendricks was his typical Australian self. He's very unique. But the Jake Berger stuff was just relatable. It it felt like – more than Sheets and Hendricks, it felt like just a guy that you just met at the bar last Friday with his girlfriend on the screen, Ashlyn, who was amazing in helping us get this all set up. It just felt like two people that you can relate to, two people that would be at your Christmas party, two people that would be at your Memorial Day party. You need to go check that out on the South Burbs Hitman podcast from a couple weeks ago. So the MLB trade deadline's coming up. That's how we're going to kind of end the show with that and a couple other big storylines across Major League Baseball. Leading off the trade deadline discussion here on Crosstown Crosstalk is going to be the Chicago Cubs. The Chicago Cubs are probably the most intriguing seller At the 2022 MLB trade deadline, there are more intriguing buyers, I would say, but I'm trying to think of a team that's selling that has a player as good as Wilson Contreras on the block. This is a catcher who, which automatically, if you get offense from your catcher, that's like free money, right? Because lots of teams will sign up for a defensive minded catcher who doesn't let the ball get past him and throws out any runner in his way. They don't care if he bats a hundred. Okay or hits zero home runs in a season. With Wilson Contreras, you get a pretty good defensive catcher that is an all-star level hitter. And that is free money for a team looking to add something like that down the stretch. I think the New York Yankees, even though they kind of do like Trevino. I mean, he was in the all-star game too, and he had that brilliant thing with the pitch conversation with Nestor Cortez that probably stole the show at the all-star game a little bit. Uh, so I'm not sure necessarily they might not be in it as much as I would have thought going into the season. Uh, the New York Mets, they're a team that could be really interested in Wilson Contreras. In fact, that's my prediction. If I had to put my money on a team right now, who does Wilson Contreras play for next Wednesday afternoon? My money's on the New York Mets, and which we will talk about the New York Mets in a little bit. But the Padres are in the mix. Uh, who knows if the Mariners are one of those teams that... Go in and look at Contreras. I think there's plenty of options out there. Um, I would have thought the Red Sox, had they come out of the All-Star break a little bit hotter, they might be sellers now. So I'm not too sure what's going to happen with them. But Wilson Contreras, this is just a a three-time All-Star World Series champion, character guy, involved in the community. Many good reasons to enjoy what Wilson Contreras has done for the Cubs since 2016. He got called up mid-season. You might remember, was it Miguel Montero? Was that his name, the catcher who got annoyed with his playing time once Contreras got called up? But it's like, dude, you suck. And obviously Grandpa Ross was the backup catcher for Wilson once he came up and proved that he was actually the best uh, catcher in the organization. So, you know, any guy who was a part of the core that won the World Series in 2016, and Contreras wasn't necessarily part of the core in 2016, but he developed as part of the core after that. But he was there in 2016 and played a big role. And so those guys are always going to go down as legends in this town. I mean, 108 years is a long time, even for the biggest hater in the world. That is a long time for a team to not even really come close to winning the World Series. The closest they got was Game 7 of the 2003 National League Championship Series. You all know how that ended against the Florida Marlins. And, you know, Contreras is royalty in town. So seeing him leave, it's not it's hard on him. It's clearly hard on him. It's clearly hard on his family. Uh, being traded isn't fun you have to just pack up and move to whatever next city they tell you to it could be across the country it could be down the road Uh, even though I I don't really think it's going to be down the road they're not trading Contreras for the brew crew and the White Sox aren't trading for a catcher so it probably is going to be a relatively distant new home for Wilson Contreras and we wish him all the best He, he he's a good player man I mean he's just solid he He'll never get the love that a Rizzo or a Bryant or a Baez got, I don't think, just because those guys were kind of the face of winning the World Series in 2016. Contreras was just kind of like a rookie. um, But over time, he became a legitimate fan favorite. And you know what I like about Wilson Contreras? And this is coming from the biggest Cubs hater on the Internet. I hated him as a member of the Cubs, and that is the ultimate compliment because normally the types of guys that I don't like are the ones on my rivals that are awesome and that are obsessed with winning and Wilson Contreras is awesome and obsessed with winning literally it's in his veins to win which is kind of why it's a little curious why he wants to stay with the Cubs so bad they're going to be they're going to stink for at least two more years one at the minimum but I think two like go play in the playoffs man You're in your late 20s, early 30s. Like, go play in the playoffs. Be Electric Factory on the national stage. Um, I'm excited to see him play in a different uniform just because I know it'll be me watching him play meaningful baseball games again. So we wish him well. Another big name on the Chicago Cubs that is more than likely to get dealt. You saw Wilson Contreras have a relatively long embrace with him after their final game at Wrigley Field on Thursday. Um, Not Thursday. Today's Thursday. That would have been... Tuesday or something—I don't know. It was the last game at Wrigley Field. Ian Happ, Ian Happ was not on the 2016 World Series team. He came up as a rookie the following year, but he had some ups and downs. Him and Albert Almora Jr. kind of battled for that center field spot. Um, You had Schwarber in left and Jason Hayward in right. They needed a center fielder when Dexter Fowler left in free agency after 2016. Ian Happ was one of the guys who tried to step in Dexter Fowler's shoes as the center fielder. And it was kind of hard at first. He was up and down, probably spent more time with the Iowa Cubs early in his development than he should have. There were times where he was clearly the best major league ready center fielder in the organization and they kept him down for too long. You know, that was one of the things that, you know, kind of kept them from developing this team properly. And now they're sellers, but Hap, he really turned into a good player. He was an all-star in 2022. I mean, what more suggests that you were a good player than being a freaking National League All Star? So Ian Happ, he's not as intertwined with the Cubs community as a Wilson Contreras just because he didn't win with them. Um, but he was part of winning teams with them. I mean, what did the Cubs do in 2017? They made it to the NLCS and lost to the Dodgers. In 2018, they played that wild game 163 against the Brew Crew, lost. Then lost the wild card game to the Colorado Rockies. Still a playoff appearance type of season. 2019, they choked the lead, ended up not making the playoffs at all. 2020, they won the division, and he was one of the best players on the team. And then 2021, they were good in the beginning and then took a big poop in the second half of the season. And that's when trading Bryant Rizzo Baez all happened. But um, Ian Hap, great player. He's going to make a team very happy. The team that would have been my prediction for him was the New York Yankees. And no, I just don't think the Cubs are going to trade all their players to New York teams. I just think Wilson is going to the Mets. And I thought Happ was going to the Yankees, but we all know that that's not going to happen now because of the fact that Andrew Benintendi was traded to the New York Yankees by the Kansas City Royals in exchange for three prospects. I wrote an article on DeWindyCity.com that kind of got like mixed reviews, um, people were agreeing with me and disagreeing with me. I think this kind of hurts the Cubs a little bit. The fact that Ben Intendi was traded to the Yankees for three prospects because the prospects were like the number 19 prospect, the number 21 prospect, and an unranked prospect. And that's just low value for a guy like Ben Intendi. Now, Hap is a little bit better than Ben Intendi right now, but the experience factor definitely is in the favor of Ben Intendi, who won the World Series with the Red Sox in 2018 and was part of some really good seasons, has some clutch moments in his career, but. The Yankees are no longer on the table for Hap. So when I'm thinking about the teams that could try to acquire him, if I'm being real with y'all, I'm thinking any of the three teams in the American League Central that are in conversation for the winning the division. And that's the Chicago White Sox, the Cleveland Guardians, and the Minnesota Twins. All three of those teams could use Ian Hap, and all three of them have the prospect capital needed to get a guy like Hap. And the White Sox farm system's trash. And I still think they have a player or two that could get a deal done for Hap. So we'll see if the White Sox and the Cubs make another crosstown trade. I'm kind of leaning against it, though. You know, who knows? Hap might go to a team that nobody's talking about. Like maybe the Padres make a play for him. The Padres and Cubs have made a couple trades in the last couple years. Um, I don't think the Dodgers have any kind of need for him. The Giants are going to be sellers. The Mariners or the Astros? If the Cubs traded Hap to the Astros, that would be interesting because I think he'd fit in okay there. But, you know, wherever he goes, it's going to be a winning team. No bad teams trading for Ian Hap right now. Then there's David Robertson. Those Chicago White Sox fans watching this might remember David Robertson. He was their closer for a couple years there after um, leaving the New York Yankees because Robertson was kind of the guy who was a middle reliever. He was the setup man for Mariano Rivera. And then... He was an all star doing that kind of stuff. And then once Rivera retired, he became the full time closer. And then when Araldus Chapman started to come up, he was with the Reds. Then they traded him to the Yankees. Robertson lost that role. He ended up with the White Sox. And he didn't do that good with the White Sox, but he did okay. But that team was toxic. And we're talking like the Chris Sale cutting jersey, uh, Drake LaRoche, Adam LaRoche type of season. Like that, that's the White Sox era that. Uh, robertson played with so you know what they might not have the fondest memories of him and he kind of has a resurgence going on this season and you know an era under two a whip under one lots of saves he's got 14 saves i think which is a lot for a team like the cubs with like barely 30 wins although they've been hot lately um he's just but they've been hot lately ross has been benching robertson knowing he might get traded so you know it's hard with pitchers i i think they'll get something okay for him the thing that is going to caution people from Robertson is what happened with Craig Kimbrell in 2021. The White Sox traded Nick Madrigal and Cody Hoyer to the Cubs for Craig Kimbrell. And when Craig Kimbrell came to the White Sox, he had an ERA under one. We're, we're in late July and your ERA is under one? That's awesome. Him and Liam Hendricks are going to be the best closing duo ever. And now... Kimbrough sucked high leverage situation after high leverage situation on a good team. That's going to the playoffs. It was a lot different than a Thursday afternoon game against the freaking pirates at Wrigley field with no strings attached. It was just very different for Craig Kimbrough when he came to the white Sox in the middle of a division race. And people are going to have their caution with David Robertson on that. I don't think he gets a return. That's quite like what the Cubs got for Kimbrough, but he will be on the move for sure. A team looking for relievers is going to look at him, and the White Sox could be one of those things because the White Sox aren't completely soured on acquiring relievers from the Cubs because Tapera was so good for them. Uh, Ryan Tapera was probably their second or third best reliever behind Hendricks last year. I, Crochet was better too. Man, the White Sox missed Crochet. We'll get to that in a different episode. But you know, if you have anyone else in the Cubs team that you think they could possibly trade, over the next little bit, go ahead and throw it there in the chat. But I'm not certain that this team is one that's going to go out there and do anything special um, besides those three. They're not going to get anything special. I mean, I wrote an article about how it would like change the entire course of their rebuild if they traded um if they acquired Juan Soto but like you'd be giving up Brennan Davis and you'd be giving up you know Braylon Marquez and who knows Pete Crow Armstrong like that, like do the Cubs want to do that do they want to change alter the entire course of their rebuild to get something like that so I'm not sure that that's going to happen um I heard Jeff Passon talking on David Kaplan yesterday about the teams that have a realistic chance to do that and The Cubs and the White Sox are just not in the mix. So it's fun to talk about. It's fun to think about. But the Cubs are going to be sellers, not buyers. As far as the White Sox, I'm not sure what the hell they're going to do. I'm not sure what the hell they are. Uh, They're a 500 team as of right now. But you got your next 16 games are against teams under 500. Or your next 17 games are against teams under 500. But it started with a 19-gamer, and they split with the Colorado Rockies after blowing it in the ninth inning yesterday. You look at that game yesterday, okay, they need bullpen arms. Are they going to help add some bullpen arms? Robertson, maybe. There are plenty of guys around the league to look at. Um, I've been told from my sources that Jose Quintana is on the table for the White Sox. Um, He's having a much people like despise the thought of that. Before you like run your mouth about Quintana, go look at his stats. Okay, he's having a really solid number four, number five type of year. If he came in and was – you know, a guy who could maybe make Cueto the new Al um, uh, Duque, or maybe he could be the new Al Duque Quintana. Like, you know, you have starters that move to the bullpen. That's the thing people forget about when the playoffs roll around is that anybody can pitch at any time. You're not necessarily set on your starters outside of the big four. And we know who the big four are going to be for the White Sox, good, wrong, or indifferent. It's going to be Giolito, Kopek, Cease, and Lynn. And everybody else can. You know, join the bullpen, do whatever they got to do there. But as far as a bat, I'm not sure the White Sox are going to acquire a big time bat. They might make one subtle move, but I mean, thinking about them getting anyone big, like you know what, the White Sox need to really take a step this season. They need Eloy Jimenez, Luis Robert, Jose Abreu, Tim Anderson, Yohan Moncada, Yasmani Grandal, and Andrew Vaughn to be the big seven that we know that they can be. You add in AJ Pollock, he's got some clutch moments this season. He's probably been one of their more clutch players. Whenever he comes up to bat in a big situation, he seems to come through. I'd like to see him be a little more consistent in non-clutch situations. Um, and then Josh Harrison, second base, I guess. That's an okay lineup. If It's a great lineup if the big seven can play to their potential all at the same time and all be healthy. And, you know, we see that from time to time. And it's like, wow, this team could really take a big step. But then you just have a game like yesterday where they blow it. And it's just, I I don't know. I have no idea what to make of it. So I think the White Sox are going to be buyers. I'm just not sure how big of a splash they're going to make. Like, they, are they going to make a trade where Colson Montgomery is involved as a prospect? That's the White Sox number one prospect. Are they going to make a trade where Oscar Coles or Yoelki Cespedes, their two and three prospect, are going to be involved? I'm just not sure that that's going to be the case. Um, uh, You know, they can make the playoffs. Playoffs, there's no doubt that they could do that, actually. They could win this division. They're only three games out. They should be, two because they should have won yesterday. The Twins got smoked by the Brew Crew. Um, Hopefully the Twins just keep losing, too, because that'll really help things. It kind of helped early last year when the Minnesota Twins were struggling early. Like, the White Sox gained some confidence from there, but... The White Sox schedule is significantly easier than theirs down the stretch, but, you know, they're buyers. The Cubs are sellers, and that's that, and we will see how it goes. We got the big trade post-trade deadline version of Crosstown Crosstalk next Thursday where we'll go over everything that happened. I'm going to try so hard to make sure that I have it all ready. I mean, so much stuff is going to happen. Last year was the greatest trade deadline in MLB history because a bunch of high-profile players were – Sent out of town of their current teams, and the White Sox were big time buyers. They brought in Tapera and Hernandez and Kimbrel, and not all those wo- moves worked, but at least the thought of the White Sox bringing in people to try and help them win was there. And they were going to the playoffs for sure. And you know, it's an exciting time in the trade deadline because you're either a seller that's trying to bring a new hope for your team, or you're a buyer trying to build on current hope for your team. And we got one of each of those in our sweet town of Chicago. Speaking of sweet towns, a slightly less sweet town is New York City. Still a sweet town, though. Chicago fans who rip on New York, I just don't understand, especially the ones who just so clearly have never been there before. Um, The Subway Series very well could be the World Series. The New York Mets and the New York Yankees had a very fun two-day series this week. And the Mets won them both. They won the first one kind of handedly. And then Max Scherzer was on the mound yesterday, went, you know, what did he go, like eight scoreless? And then the Mets bullpen allowed a two-run shot to tie the game at two. So Scherzer couldn't get the win, but they ended up getting the walk-off win to sweep their, I don't know if it's their arch rival, but it's close. I would probably say the Yankees are the Mets' second biggest rival. Um, The Yankees or the Mets are definitely the Yankees' second biggest rival. The Red Sox trump that by a lot. But uh, I would probably say the Braves are a bigger rival to the Mets than the Yankees, but it's close. And they don't like each other very much. Think about when the White Sox play the Cubs. Um, The difference is both teams are elite right now, and instead of one being mediocre and one being bad, um, or last year one was bad and one was elite, or in 2016 one was bad and one was elite flipped. um, No, both of them have a legitimate chance to win the pennant and face each other in the World Series. So it was a big series for the Mets. They probably feel good about it. The Yankees, despite the Yankees being kind of overrated in terms of like recent memory, they haven't won the World Series since 2009. The Mets at least were in the World Series in 2015. You might remember when they swept the Cubs in the playoffs and made it to the World Series, lost to the Royals. That's more than the Yankees have done. And I understand what the Yankees have with Judge and Stanton and LeMahieu and Donaldson and Rizzo. And then their pitching staff with uh, Nestor Cortez and Garrett Cole. Like, it it is just a great team. There's no doubt about it. But the Mets, man, with Francisco Lindor and Peter Alonzo and, you know, Escobar and, you know, the pitching staff with Scherzer. And DeGrom hasn't even played yet this season. The best pitcher in the world is on the shelf. And they're going to get him back eventually. It's just a really fun time to watch the two New York teams. If the White Sox can't get it done um, and one of my other teams that I've really been cheering for a lot lately because of family ties, the Atlanta Braves, if they can't get it done, I would love to see the two New York teams make it to the World Series. And of course, I love the Boston Red Sox too everyone knows that, but they're 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 out. I mean, I'm kind of out on the Red Sox so far this season. Just' I'm, I'm not fully counseled on them, but they, they probably need to sell. If they were in the White Sox division, they probably could go out and add like a Wilson Contreras and try and win the thing. But they're in the AL beast, man. You heard me say the AL beast with a B, not the AL East. All five teams in the division are legit or have been legit at certain points of the season. I'm pretty sure the Red Sox are in last right now because of the hot streak of the Baltimore Orioles getting over 500. The Red Sox might even be in last. I know they were never any higher than fourth because the Toronto Blue Jays have been as hot as any team too. And the Tampa Bay Rays and New York Yankees have been in the mix for the last 10 years. So, you know, the Red Sox, I wish I could say I wasn't bullish on them, but I am. Um, As far as the rest of the trade deadline, there's going to be a lot of movement around the league. We'll see if the Giants become sellers. I think that's one of the big storylines going on right now. If they become sellers, do they trade Jock Peterson, who's a free agent at the end of the year? Do they trade Carlos Rodon, who can opt out and become a free agent at the end of the year? He reached the necessary number of innings to have that privilege. Um, Are the Dodgers going to buy? I mean, what else do the Dodgers need? They are the best team in the league. They signed Freddie Freeman because why not add an MVP to play first base and like take Max Muncy who has had close to MVP level seasons and make him a backup. It's just, it's not anything out of the realm of possibility that the Dodgers still figure out a way to get better. And I'm not positive that, the Padres are going to do anything of significance they're probably content with being in second place just cuz you don't have to do that one game wild card anymore you're not catching the Dodgers and the Giants aren't catching you likely um i don't know i you know i'm thinking about the NL East the Braves and the Mets are probably both going to make it the Braves are sick they're a team to watch they might make some acquisitions we saw last year how unafraid um, they are to make big trade deadline acquisitions and it helped them win the World Series. The Braves acquired the World Series MVP at the trade deadline last year. So don't try to tell me that this, um, that this trade deadline isn't important. Now, yes, it happens once a decade. I'm not saying the most active team this year is going to end up being the one who wins the World Series. Don't act like that. But what I will say is you can make significant upgrades to your team that help you win. You might remember the 2005 Chicago White Sox. They acquired a young man named Jeff Blum from the Houston Astros, and Mr. Blum pinch hit and hit a huge go-ahead home run in the top of the 14th inning in Game 3 of the 2005 World Series. And now Blum is the Astros color commentator. Go figure. So I see we have some questions in the chat that are going to be addressed by me right now. We're going to start with Andrew. Andrew says, who are the Cubs looking to get for Hap and Wilson? Well, for Hap, I would imagine that they get, mm, I'm trying to think, maybe one low-level top 10 prospect and then like a guy in the 20s is kind of what I would expect for Hap, who was an all-star this year. They might even get less. Benny Benintendi, I almost called him Benny Buttcheeks because that's what the Red Sox podcast that I listen to calls him. That's what they called him in Boston back in the day, Benny Buttcheeks. And then the P, uh, G version was Benny Biceps. But um, Benintendi got way less than that. I think Hap will go look at the Benintendi trade with between the New York Yankees and the Kansas City Royals. Make it a little bit better. And that's probably the return for Ian Happ. For Wilson Contreras, the market hasn't been set yet. That's an elite player that plays a premier position that can help you on defense, offense. Uh, He could add a spark to your team, right? Like he's got an attitude and he's kind of edgy for being a baseball player. So part of me thinks they get a top 10 prospect for Wilson Contreras. I'm not sure about like a high-end top five prospect unless a team like the Mets. Like the Mets gave up Peter Crow Armstrong last year for Javier Baez and no one's going to shit on the Mets because the Mets are one of the best teams in the league. And, you know, even though Javier Baez didn't work out for them, he left them in free agency to go to Detroit. Um, no one's really shitting on the Mets for muffin up that trade because, you know, they're the Mets. They're sick right now. You know, if there's sort of the old school Mets and they traded Peter Crow Armstrong for Javier for half a season of Javier Baez, then, you know, people might have other things to say, but, you know, a team like the Mets could overpay for him, but, I don't think that anything like that is going to happen. They'll they'll get a fair return for Wilson Contreras for sure. Andrew follows it up by asking, do you think the Cubs will get robbed like they did for Rizzo and Bryant? I, in my opinion, disagree with you. I don't believe they got robbed. Um, Killian, the guy they got for um, Bryant, is turning into become a very studly pitcher. He made a couple starts this year. Good start versus St. Louis in that doubleheader about a month or two ago um i don't think just because you don't know the names of the prospects and i'm not calling you out personally i i sometimes don't even know the names of the prospects and i host a baseball show and write about both teams but you know if you don't know the names of the prospects that doesn't necessarily mean your team lost the trade you were never getting anything substantial for a third baseman slash utility outfielder that is hot and cold with his bat and Anthony Rizzo, who's in his 30s now with a bad back, all both of them on an expiring contract and are going to walk at the end of the year. Okay, the Yankees got Rizzo signed, but Bryant left. So I don't know what people thought they were getting for Bryant and Rizzo, but you know we're not talking about Shohei Otani and Mike Trout here. We're talking about Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryant. Good players, very good players, helped end a World Series drought. We're better in 2016 than they are now. Let's also... Let's also think 2016 was what five years before I'm bad at math five years before 2021 when they were traded. Okay. It's you. you don't have 2016 Bryant anymore. You don't have 2016 Rizzo anymore. Those guys are gone. Okay. You got a fair return for them and you got a more than fair return for Javier Baez. Um, Thomas Gage. Um, I know this is a baseball show, but how are you feeling about the bears leaving Chicago for Arlington Heights? um uh, yeah i I hope so i really hope so i live in the area i would love to see the bears be really close um i think soldier field's a dump i think the renovations to it are a band-aid on a problem if you've ever been to a bears game you know how incredibly difficult it is to get from your car to the stadium and you know would it be cool if they fix it over time and bring in an afc team yeah that'd be awesome I'd love to have a second team to cheer on. I wouldn't hate them like I hate the Cubs at all. I would actually probably think it's funny because they'd probably have a better quarterback than the Bears within five years of their existence in town. But, um, yeah, I hope they do it very badly. I would love to see the new stadium. Um, And then PZ wants to know about any info on Joe Kelly. I have no actual info on Joe Kelly, just speculation. He left the game with bicep soreness. I really hope it's not Tommy John. I'm just going to say that. Whenever a player has forearm soreness or bi- lower bicep soreness, I mean, where's your lower bicep? For those of you who don't know, I got big guns. You got your bicep. What's your lower bicep? Your elbow. Okay. But the White Sox would never say that he has elbow soreness. They're going to say lower bicep soreness or upper forearm soreness. What's your upper forearm? Your elbow. What is Tommy John, a very difficult surgery that is elbow fixing, and it takes over a year to recover. I mean, most of Joe Kelly's contract with the White Sox will be eaten up if he has Tommy John surgery in July or August of 2022. Um, it's tough news. I hope, I hope my speculation is wrong, but he's been kind of injured for a lot of this year. And you might remember at the end of 2020, Garrett Crochet and left the playoff game with, Um, I think it was forearm soreness and he didn't need Tommy John. He was ready for spring training, pitched all of last year was magnificent. And then he ended up getting it this year. So, you know, I'm glad Crochet got it out of the way. He'll be back next year and he'll, I don't know if he's necessarily going to be part of the rotation or not like the original plan. I think the Tommy John set him back a year, but I think the plan was to have him be the super weapon. like Kopech was last year, this year and then bring him into the rotation next year but we'll see what happens with Crochet he's a wildly talented player. So people got the Cubs trading five guys, how many do you see going? Oh man. I think 5 is probably the over under and I'm going to take the under. I'm going to go Hap Contreras or Locks, they're gone. Um I would say I would say Robertson is gone. And then is Justin Steele maybe a name that could go? Uh, What's the other reliever that they were saying could go? I'll say one of those two guys goes. So I'm going four. I see four Cubs being traded away from their current roster. Unless the only thing that could happen is if like a team really overpays and tries to get Kyle Hendricks. I don't see why the Cubs would want to keep Kyle Hendricks he's a year away from becoming Dallas Keuchel. You know, he's still pretty good, but as soon, when a soft tosser starts to get older and loses velocity a little bit when they didn't have much velocity to begin with and the accuracy's down, you become exactly what Dallas Keuchel is. And that's what Kyle Hendricks is in danger of becoming. So if I were the Cubs, I would sell high on him right now too, but you know, I'm going to take the under. I'm going to say four Cubs get traded and do you think the cubs no yeah we answered that one already and then something has it that the cubs do trade five guys people yeah i those are the guys i think are going to be gone from the cubs so that's my thoughts on the trade deadline for the white Sox and the cubs i appreciate everybody in the chat pz thank you very much i hope we are both wrong i hope we are both very very wrong And I highly encourage everybody to come see if we were wrong, make fun of me, tell me why I'm an idiot, tell me why you agreed with me on next week's show when we know the results of the 2022 MLB trade deadline. And then also, of course, the Cubs play the Giants this week. The White Sox have a big series coming up against the Oakland Athletics. I will be at the game tomorrow, so if you're there, come say hello. It's the Sox crawl. We'll be drinking beers and... You know, sitting in the stands, watching the game once it starts. I, I Last year at the Sox Crawl, we watched the opponent's batting practice. And it was the Boston Red Sox. So, they obviously, they had Schwarber. Of course, Bogarts and Devers were out there hitting. I'm not sure, like, who, who on the A's am I excited to see take BP, right? Like, Chapman's gone. Olsen's gone. Um, everyone's gone. So, Semyon, even though he had a year with the Blue Jays. Um, it... It's going to be a lot of fun. So I hope everybody enjoys their baseball weekend football starting up. I saw a video today of Justin Fields throwing an absolute dime to Darnell Mooney, who ran it into the end zone. I like seeing that. I think the Bears are going to suck ass. Everybody's got the over at like six and a half. I'm like, I wish I think they win two or three, to be honest with you. But, you know, maybe they'll be able to draft a really nice offensive lineman in the draft next year and come into 2023 ready to win. And I'm just looking for Justin Fields this year. That's the only thing I am i got my eyes on this year. We will know by the end of this year if Justin Fields is the guy. All signs lead me to believe he could be, but, you know, it is the Bears after all. So I hope everybody enjoys keeping up with training camp as well. Football is just around the corner. And the college game, excited for that as well. Alabama, you know, Clemson, Georgia, all, all the teams. Got my NIU season tickets watch some action. OK, I'm, I'm excited for this stuff, and I hope everybody is ready to follow along for the ride. Just because our baseball shows and hockey show, they are also um, they are also football shows as well, because we talk about football on both of them. Uh, one last question or comment I'll get to before we head out of here is from Thomas Gage. They're going to be better this year than they were last year. They have an easier schedule. Um, I only disagree with you. I I vehemently disagree with you, but I understand your thought process. It is a easier schedule, but it is a significantly worse roster. Okay. The only way he'll be right is if Justin Fields has that like breakout year where like Herbert or Mahomes were like sick in year two and people were like, wow, that's a top 10 quarterback. You know, then the Bears could do it. But like, who's he throwing to? Nikhil Harris. Okay um Mooney Mooney's their number one but like should he be a number two that's kind of a common debate in Bears land um yeah I think they're gonna be trash and their defense is getting worse Roquan's holding out Robert Quinn doesn't want to be there um their secondary isn't anything special Max gone um yeah I don't know I just have no hope for this year But, you know, on the baseball side of things, we're hoping the White Sox can pick it up and maybe they'll be well over 500 by the next time they're on the show and they might have better players on the team as well. So that's our show. I appreciate everybody in the comments for chiming in. Very good stuff. A lot of fun talking Seattle Mariners. I can't thank enough Chris O'Day from Sodo Mojo, a fan-sided, for coming on the show. If you missed it, make sure you come on. Come, you know, if you're a little late, make sure you go back and check it out. It was really, really fun. And I had a blast on this show with everyone. And we will see you next week. For the post-trade deadline show, make sure you tune in Monday night for South Burbs Hitman. I'll be on with the boys to talk about the White Sox. Then next Wednesday, we'll be barred on talking hockey. There's absolutely no hockey news going on anymore. Now that Kachuk was traded for Huberto, we recapped all that on last week's episode. Make sure you check it out. But the Barroom Network is loaded with great shows. Science Fiction, talking about the nerdy newsy stuff you know that we all love. Um, We got it all here on the barroom network and football starting right back up soon so all the shows are really starting to get hot and if you don't watch dan and aldo bear their souls i don't know what the hell's wrong with you because they are just so funny that music that music in their intro it makes me feel things so i hope everybody enjoyed today's show and as always let's go socks good luck at the trade deadline and we will see you next week thank you for listening another happy landing